Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek. When cleaning up tenants, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's show number 556, and on today's show we're talking about bed bolts, clumsy people, and old tools. Could be the same thing. Could be old clumsy people that are tools. These are all related. a bunch of bed bolts. Yeah. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that... Here, I got to play this. I want to let you know that, uh, unfortunately, Pee Wee passed away. The stars at night! A big and bright. I hold that clip in our soundboard just because we put it there once, and I'm like, well, it's Pee Wee. I got to keep it there. And then uh, Paul Rubens passes away. So that was real sad news. Got nothing to do with the show other than that. But uh, yeah, I like Pee Wee. Seemed like an interesting guy. Anyway, before we uh, get into anything else, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. You can enter for your chance to win before September 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Thanks for that, Mark. You're welcome! If you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of said show. We'd like to thank SD Houston, Margaret McLaren. What's up with that? I don't know. I'm going <laughs> no. to keep reading. David Seitz and Ron Rutherford, Willow Creek Woodshop. Uh, what? I mean, uh, it feels a little weird names? that Margaret's a supporter. I... Yep. I think she was really hoping Matt was going to butcher her name and do it again. Just let her down. Get her her money's worth. Oh, I I can't do it like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, um. (laughs) It's got to be organic, man. It's like nothing. Margaret Macklerin. Margaret. I like that. Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, that works. (laughs) Margaret. Oh, yeah. She was on, um, uh, what was that show um, with all the girls? Mrs. Garrett. Margaret. Oh. Oh, Mrs. Garrett was, was on a different strokes. No, well, she was Facts on that too. Facts of Life, that's yeah. it. Yeah, because they had some she crossover on, stuff. Yeah, she did the spinoff with different yeah. strokes. Matt, Margaret. these are old shows on TV. 
we're talking yeah, I was, about. I was even listening. I know. Uh, I heard you weren't born I'm not accustomed to. Just, just glazed over. He only started paying uh, attention when Saved by the Bell came on. So <laughs> I think that's probably also a little bit before my time. Okay. That was, oh, sorry. I was a small child. I don't watch TV anymore. I was going to say, <laughs> I can't go child. any more recent than Saved by the Bell. You've lost Saved me. By the Bell is I it. can't come up with anything more recent. <laughs> I'm done. That's okay. it. <laughs> nothing right, so, in the last 20 something years, 25, yeah. 26 years, nothing. Okay, so we got a dining table episode today. We're talking about old tools, and it was inspired um, from a question here from Eric. So, Matt, why don't you, why don't you give that a little reading? Oh, I can read. Should I read it out loud or just read in my head to myself? I, ideally, out loud. I'd say act it out. <laughs> yeah. And that's Interpretive, oh, interpretive we have, hand movements. We have the YouTube version of this show. We should probably mention that. <gasps> we yeah. do. If you'd Todd like to see our smiling job, faces and see all yeah. the work that Todd does, way mm-hmm. more work than he should, Absolutely. you can head over to the YouTube channel and uh, watch us as well as listen to us if you'd like, if you're into that. It's a lot of fun. You can see the back of Lindsay's head. You can see pancakes. See, see my doggy over there. Mm-hmm. The, you see there. Shannon's curtain in front of the window. Yeah. It's a good curtain. I've it's got really a dead nice. plant over here. Went oh, away yeah. for three weeks. And that is very dead. Plant. Yep, it's gone. I it's built done. my clock. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's a sign that I actually built stuff. And it has finish on it. Nice. That table over there, I built that. Okay. Oh, just awkward finger pointing behind us. We just, <laughs> yeah, you lose your perspective. I, I hung those curtains. Attaboy. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. All right, Matt. Amazing. Get us out of here. Fine. Just... All right. This is from Eric. <laughs> I know y'all are mostly willing to buy modern premium tools, but I also hear people recommending buying old tools and saying that older that the older the tool, the better. The people who oh. say this never seem to provide objective reasons to back up their claim. <laughs> is it actually true? Hmm. I'm mostly talking about hand tools, but I hear it about power tools as well. Do you know of anyone who has ever actually compared modern chisels and hand planes objectively to see if they really have better tolerances and steel for edge retention? If they are actually right, what makes the old steel better than something that is generally produced today? Well, it's older, so... Yeah. It's it be better. It has electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> It's Brondo. It's old growth. <laughs> I mean, this feels like something Shannon would have a good opinion on. Well, what's interesting is With the experience. first thing that comes to mind is the power tool side of things. And I will mm-hmm. definitely say no. Like old power tools scare the you know what out of me. Um, <laughs> and, and I get that like 40 inch battleship joiners and, you know, they just keep running and running and running and they're, you know, this, the whole, they don't make it like they used to. I think there's something to be said about that, but like everyone I know who has these now, um, in fact, um, um, Willie, Willie from Freeville, you know, he's a Patreon supporter. He's written mm-hmm. in several times. Mm-hmm. He just bought, um, the joiner of a, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name. The dude, the, the wood book guy. You know, the guy with the little, it's Wood, that guy who wrote the book on Wood. Hadley? Hoadley? Hadley? Bruce Hoadley. Bruce Hoadley, yeah. He just bought his joiner, and it's one of those, like, 30-inch, you know, solid iron things, and it's really Mm -hmm. cool looking. I remember Chuck Bender has one, but there was always so many, like, oh, this thing is fantastic, but stand on one leg while you use it because you're liable to get shocked, you know, or there's no guards, (laughs) there's none of this stuff. There's always lots of caveats to, like, why 
this is dangerous to use, or I would never buy this tool. I only waited till I, you know, felt really good about the tool. They're just like walking safety hazards. To me also, like if I'm going to crank something up to thousands of RPM, I want to make sure it's not going to go flying off. And I, I don't have the skills. Like I watch Matt's, you know, Instagram stories for that type of stuff. I'm not pulling bearings and pressing bearings and welding crap back together. Like that's not, that's not in my skill set, nor do I want it to be my skill set. So I'm certainly not going to like refurbish your router and then crank it up to 10,000 RPM and feel safe about it. So for the most part, if I'm buying power tools, I'm even a little cautious about like secondhand because I don't know what the maintenance was like. I don't know, you know, what someone has or has not done. And I don't know that I have the skills to actually do like a deep maintenance job, you know, on, on a tool like this. So I'd rather have that full knowledge of something. So anyway, I just spoke about power tools because I just definitely way to go, Shannon. Yeah. Sorry. Um, So I can address the hand tool thing unless one of you has something you want to say before I do that. Can I add one thing to your little comment yeah. there i think w- when you compare like the old power tools like the jointers you're talking about to like modern jointers i think you have to kind of keep in mind the fact that you're comparing like apples to oranges mm-hmm. like those giant jointers are industrial machines designed to mm-hmm. go into industrial settings they're not like here's the 30 inch hobbyist jointer you can put in your garage right that's not really what they were intended to be so you can't really make the comparison like that old tool is better than a new jointer because yeah, yeah, you can still you buy to- the that jointer, but it's going to cost you 30 grand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good the point. The appeal of well, those older be... tools is they're cheaper because they're old, but they are at the industrial level. You could not otherwise afford. Yeah. And I think if you go to what was more of a consumer grade level back then, let's say late seventies, early eighties, you know, I, I had a craftsman jointer. It was an absolute piece of garbage. Like it was, it was very cheap. I got it. It was my first jointer, but it was a garbage. And I think that's the thing now we've, what makes it seem this way is now we have a lot more less expensive consumer grade tools that are out there that when you compare those to what was available back then, they look like they're crap compared to that stuff. Cause what you're probably thinking of is what Matt is saying, the industrial level tools. If you actually look at when consumer grade tools started to become available, you know, there might be exceptions, but for the most part, those were also garbage. It was just <laughs> maybe heavier garbage. And now we have a lot more plastic components, you yeah. know, but I do think you really need to go. And that's, I think why people like it, like exactly what you said. They go, I can get this industrial crazy tool. It's huge. I could get a pretty decent deal on it. And if I just, you know, rehab it and tune it up, you know, so it's, it's you could see why people make a hobby of that alone just to, to rehab these tools. But it, yeah. it's got to be an apples to apples uh, comparison. Yeah. yeah and I'm glad field. you said that because like in my current woodworking journey, like <laughs> when I decided to buy a planer, I didn't buy, I mean, I bought a Grizzly, but I bought like the best planer that Grizzly makes. You know, I, I was prepared to spend thousands of dollars on the tool. If you were to spend $900, you probably could still get a decent planer, but there's obviously corners that have been cut. So yeah, when I say I would buy a new power tool, I mean, I would buy a new power tool and plan to pay for the quality at the same time. That's a really good point. By no means my session, because I had the same thing, Mark. I had the lowest level Grizzly six inch joiner and it was probably better than the Craftsman one, but it was Mm -hmm. really lightweight, you know? (laughs) The vibrations that came out of that thing when you fired it up was a little bit terrifying, but I didn't know any better either at the time. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, if you get somebody who's like, oh, I found this old industrial planer, you know, it doesn't have a guard on the back. It blows chips everywhere, but it's really heavy and I'm going to like rehab it. It's going to be great. And they're comparing it to maybe like a tabletop 
DeWalt oh, cleaner, <laughs> right? Right, and they're like it's so much better. But to say that is. that modern tools aren't made that well, let's compare it to something that might be a little bit more of a fair comparison, and let's compare it to like my Felder planer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you're willing to spend the money for that grade of tool, there have been advancements and things that make the tool work better and just the more fun and more reliable. So yeah, just got to make sure you're comparing the right grade of tool to to really get a grasp on that. So what? So when it comes to hand tools. I'm interested to hear your perspective on this, Shannon, because you're right. Like he's absolutely right. People just assume that the old steel was better. All the new stuff is just, you know, crap steel. What's the deal with that? See, and I think it comes down to like, do you really need it? Like, should you really care? Because the new steel, there's no question that metallurgically speaking, it's better. Edge retention is longer. It's a more durable steel. Probably in many ways, pure is not the right word, but what the scientist guy was trying to get done, he got. There's fewer impurities, but you know, it's still an alloy. Um, and they were, they were fine tuning that alloy for certain edge retention, sharpness, things like that. The older steel doesn't have the same level of quality control because it just wasn't possible. Like we didn't have the tools to measure it. We didn't have, I don't know if smelting is the right word. (laughs) We didn't have the production capabilities to produce it. But I think one of the reasons, and and I will say I own Lee Nielsen chisels. I have a couple of blue, blue spruce chisels. And I mean, original blue spruce chisels. Um, I have to make that point because they are not the same this day today. Um, I have versions. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've used Narex (laughs) chisels. I've used Veritas chisels. Um, I've used two cherries chisels, all the major modern manufacturers, um, Ashley Isles, et cetera. But I also have an entire wall of my tool cabinet that is vintage chisels and I do love them. And I do find that I like working with them better than my modern, my Lee Nielsen ones are really my go-to. In that instance, the steel I do feel is sweeter. It's certainly easier to sharpen. The steel is softer. There's no question that the durability of those older edges is much, much less than my Lee Nielsen chisels, but I don't care. I'm using these as paring chisels. I'm not whacking on them with a mallet. And frankly, I know how to sharpen. Sharpening is part of life (laughs) in a woodworking shop. And I hear this all the time. I'm like, are you worried about damaging the edge? No, because I know how to fix it. I will do what needs to be done. um, And when the tool becomes dull, I resharpen. And I think this comes down to ultimately people who are not comfortable with sharpening or maybe have not integrated sharpening as a way of life in the shop and sharpening is more of a, I have to stop what I'm doing. It's more of a chore. It's kind of a pain in the butt. And there's no question it's not woodworking, but if you keep up with sharpening, sharpening is not an event. It just kind of happens. So when you're on top of your sharpening, I do actually find I can get a big air quotes on this, a sharper edge with older steel than I can with the cryogenically treated you know, a one crazy, crazy hard, super durable steel that exists today. Hmm. So does that make it better? (laughs) I mean, I guess, but if what you're going for is edge durability, no, old steel is not better. No Mm -hmm. question. It's not better. PMV 11, that stuff that powder metal stuff that Veritas created, that stuff is magic. It sharpens really well, like an O1, like a softer steel, but the durability on that edge is fantastic Mm -hmm. to the point where I actually swapped out some of my Veritas blades from like 15 years ago and bought new PMV 11 blades just because 
you know, I just didn't want to sharpen those as much because I got to you know, take out the lever cap and take off the frog and all kinds mm-hmm. of crap. Chisels, no. I can walk over to a strop and I can strop in 10 seconds and be back to work. Planes take a little bit more. So I've, I have definitely embraced the newer steel there. As far as everything else, the castings, the, the bodies of hand planes and things like that, couldn't care less. Couldn't tell the difference one way or another. For me, buying premium has been the better way to go because then I just don't have to do it. I don't have to flatten it. I don't have to scrounge for parts. I don't have to bend the Y yoke back in place and take up the slack on the adjuster and all that other crap. Um, I know when I get a Lee Nielsen tool or a Veritas tool, it's well-tuned. That and the Mm -hmm. fact that modern tools have added features, little things like an adjustable mouth on your hand plane goes a really, really long way. You know, if you have 20 different hand planes and you can set the frog differently for each one to adjust the mouth opening, you're fine. But if you just want to have that one plane and be able to tighten up the mouth or open the mouth, that type of stuff is fantastic. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I've gravitated towards Veritas because they have those little innovations in their planes. Set screws, such a silly little thing, mm-hmm. but having set screws in my Veritas planes, I just drop the blade back in. I don't really have to futz with a lateral adjuster. It's just no. good to go. The only example I would say older is better is like pairing chisels. When I want that kind of easy to sharp, kind of sweeter feeling edge, balance on some of the older tools is a little better. The balance of the handle on a chisel, I think, is sometimes better on an older tool. But Lee Nielsen fixed that. My Lee Nielsen chisels are as well balanced as any vintage chisel I have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wonder if a lot of this comes from the, I think, early days, Shannon, the you know mid-2000s yeah. forums. It was, um, you know, they knew about Lee Nielsen hand planes. You want that quality, but... The best way to go for most people was to go to at, like to get a eBay find, right? And yeah. find a good old plane and it was something you could just quickly tune up. The problem was that market soon exploded mm-hmm. and those were the same price as a, a new Lee Nielsen and suddenly the value proposition wasn't there anymore. But I do yeah. think there was a time where if you could find those, you could get something that would rival the quality oh, of some easily. of the newer stuff, yeah. but you'd have to put in a little bit of TLC and people loved it and you got a bargain for it too. Well, Absolutely. once that bargain is gone, it's like, well, why would you want to even do it unless you truly just love uh, f- fettling? And I, I think the level of work required to go into it has gotten worse too. Like there's no, there, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. there's nothing that's even been close to fettled. You know, yeah. in most instances it was used as a boat anchor for a hundred years <laughs> and <Right. laughs> you know, it's just nasty. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I've got a number two, an original Stanley number two, that is a fantastic plane. Then, you know, there's been part of me that's like, Oh, well, I could buy the Lee Nielsen number two. Like if I wanted to get matchy matchy and match with my Lee Nielsen smoother, but it's like, there's no point because I did sink the effort into tuning the number two because I got it for 50 bucks. You know, what is a Lee Nielsen number two cost? 250, 350, something mm-hmm. like that. If you can get it these yeah, days. If it's um, in stock. So what'll be interesting to see is, are we going to go the other direction? Because supply chain issues are still a problem at Veritas and Lee Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the market availability in the vintage market has gotten any better. There's still a bunch of crap out there for Lee Nielsen prices. Yeah, right. So yeah, you're right. It's It's a perfect storm of supply demand quality Hmm. interesting all right well you know who also carries high quality new modern tools uh rockler they do i never Uh, know if i'm that's a theoretical question or if you're actually waiting for us to answer or i never know either well 
Going to tell you something real cool about Rockler. They carry a wide selection of Festool products in-store and online, including Festool Dominoes, track saws, dust extractors, new cordless tools, and much, much more. They're now a full-line dealer with even broader selections in the stores. So Rockler also lets you test drive. We've talked about this before, and this is super cool. You could test drive your Festool purchases. Get one month to try the tool. If you're not satisfied, there's a money-back guarantee. See the full selection at Rockler.com or in Rockler stores. At Rockler, you receive nearly 70 years of experience in the woodworking business so you can feel confident in your purchase. So we're going to put a link in there. You can go check out all of the great Festool stuff. It might be a little bit debatable uh, amongst uh, woodworkers, but something like Festool is generally considered to be one of the higher quality brands. And it is interesting because their manufacturing process does involve other materials that are not necessarily like classically considered durable materials, certain types of plastics and nylon and things like that. But at the same time, they're doing things with their tools that other companies just don't do or can't do or refuse to do. Still these days, a pretty big fan of most of Festool's stuff, so definitely go check it out. And if you're going to pick some up, no better place to do it than at your uh, Rockler store. I, I keep forgetting about that, like rental. Well, not rental. <laughs> it's not a rental. That's <laughs> the wrong message. <laughs> I was going to say because that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Like you're the I've person that, that ruins the return policy at uh-huh. Costco, like, aren't you? I was going to say, yes, well, he is. You know, I was, I was using that beadlock to join plywood together, and then I got to like the internal parts, and I was like, oh, I can't use the beadlock. You can't use a yeah. beadlock on the interior of a panel. I was like, this mm-hmm. would have been a great place to have a festal domino. So yeah, I could have could have gone and purchased my festival oh, domino i'm <laughs> sure was, they don't want us talking about this at all but i do have to wonder when someone returns it like what is that process for them it's now a used tool let's say they return a domino yeah within 30 days do you, i wonder if festool has a thing where they'll maybe take it back so rockler gets the refund on it and then they could sell it as refurbished festool does have that program where you can get stuff that's been you know refurbed yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there's an internal like 17 point inspection and at a certain point it's not used and it just needs to be cleaned up and you know, repackaged and you're good to go. But I don't, I don't know. know. Is that is that fraud, though? Like if the tool's been used and you're selling it as new? I think it would be. And I think that's yeah. why they wouldn't do that. But that's interesting. <laughs> I think that's why there's a refurbished program. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting they do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Megan, I can't really be responsible for the things that Shannon's saying. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, oh, it's not wow. my fault. Wow. I'm just yeah. curious on a Shin business. always gets us in trouble. Always. I, know, I never intended. I'm just a naturally <laughs> a jerk, apparently. You're the worst with this. My God. Yeah, so go check it out. Anyway, uh, Rockler has all the festival stuff you could possibly need. It's good stuff. You guys see they came out with the, um, what is it, the 60, uh, TS-60 track saw? It's kind of like did. in between the 55 mm-hmm. and the 75. I'm actually no. um, going to sell my 55 and 75 and get a 60. Don't ask me why. Just because I want I want one. I mean, if you're cool, you would have had them all, you know, for, the yeah. coll- for collection's sake. I'm not cool. I'd like to, like, recoup my investments and make enough money on the old ones to pay for the, <laughs> new, for one, the new one if I can, <laughs> ideally. Now, the truth is, we got a bunch of tracks, and if you're running two saws, and they are not both perfectly oh, set yeah. up, you have the one that guards. cuts a little bit deeper. Yeah. So the splinter guard isn't effective for the other one. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'd actually, it, it just makes a little bit more sense to have a single unit or find a good way to tune them so they are dead on accurate the same. That That's a like little work. Bit, that sounds like a lot of work I don't want to do. So well, you just buy yeah. two sets of tracks, you know, just really, mm-hmm. really dive in. and <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I mean, don't you want you that go. big wall of green uh, behind you? I want green. I want red. You want all I want your all tools, the colors. All your sustainers are on display. All your tracks are hanging up all nice. And you yep. have a festival banner. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like, and I got like my isotunes in so I don't have to hear people complaining to me. <laughs> right. This is all and you can hang it all on the wall with Rockler T-Track because mm-hmm. they sell it. That's apparently. the best stuff to use. Yeah. They have T-Track. Anyway, right. let's, let's move on to this question. Let's um, do it. Should we, though? It's kind of funny that you know we, we, we commemorated <laughs> Paul Rubens because we're going to commemorate a, a fine gentleman named Charles Neal in this question. Yeah. This is from James. He says, I'm in the middle of a bunk bed project currently, and I've chosen the late Charles Neal method of short tenons and bed bolts for the rails. I figured they'd be strong enough to hold up my boy's energy levels and still allow easy disassembly to move them around as needed. Uh, Mr. Neal drilled, uh, I think Charles is rolling over a little bit somebody calls him mr neil yeah (laughs) um he drilled a one and a half inch hole for the nut in the face of the rail with a forstner bit he assembled the joint filled the face hole with bondo charles previously had experience with auto body work so it seems a sensible choice for him but the bondo cures very hard forms a thread and uh, for the bolt and captures the nut really well but i've heard lots of concerns about bondo being too hard for wood applications seasonal movement will cause the fill to fail what are your thoughts Wax of the bolt, fill it with epoxy. I'd be concerned about capturing the bolt too. Yeah. Well, first things first, um, Charles was definitely a student of antique reproductions. The man reproduced and restored, you know, amazing, like actual antiques. So no, no um, disservice to Charles, but I don't know that I'd call this the Charles Neal method. I think it goes back like 300 years. Stub tenons and bed bolts was kind of how furniture, especially beds was put together simply because when you assemble a bed, in most instances, you now cannot get it out of the room. So beds Mm -hmm. by their very nature need to be knocked down, which is why the bed bolt came around. I never saw Charles do this where he filled it with Bondo. I was a little taken aback by this because I wouldn't fill it with anything. The four poster that I have upstairs, I didn't drill a round hole to hold the captive nut. I chopped a mortise so that the nut goes in like sideways. Oh, like a barrel nut kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, because what he's saying is he's drilling a one and a half inch hole and that way you've got enough room that you can slot the nut in because obviously the the bolt is running the long axis of the bed. So parallel to the grain of the side rail. So obviously the bolt has to go in perpendicular to that. So rather than drilling a hole where the nut kind of fits loosely in there and has wiggle room, I just chopped a mortise Mm -hmm. that the nut, you know, was a not quite a friction fit. I could still slide it in, but it was still held really tightly in there. So it won't slide around. Um, And then I just, I used a, a, well, I drilled the cross hole first. So the hole extends past the mortise. So the bolt can obviously thread through and stick out the other side. And to me, that solved a couple of problems. It's not easy for the nut to come out, but it's also just a tiny little mortise. It was like a half inch by one inch long mortise. And I really saw no reason to fill that because the other thing is it's completely invisible. It's on the inside of the rail. So you've got your mattress and or your box spring in there covering the whole thing up. You're playing with fire a little bit when you start filling it and making the knockdown hardware fixed in place, that could be an issue. Now, as far as the wood movement thing, I don't know that I really comment on that. I mean, I suppose if you've got a big enough hole and you've got enough Bondo in there, the wood could maybe cause it to crack and move around it, but mostly... The bolt's acting like rebar. Should be fine. Yeah, right. I mean, wood will continue to expand. Oh, the I mean, next the rails... trend, adding rebar to your epoxy pores. There we go. That's what this we're going to do. Um, this is kind of a weird move. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm always interested in seeing methods, things like this. Daryl Peart will do some interesting things like this, where he uses hot milk glue on the bottom of a drawer to dampen the sound and the vibrations. But he just spent 
all this time crafting this high end gorgeous drawer just to squirt hot glue <laughs> on the bottom, right? But this is like a manufacturing mentality. And uh, Charles was very old school in that way. So this sounds like something like that, but I don't understand why we need to do any of this. Um, yeah. And especially if you have access to barrel nuts, now you're just drilling a very precisely sized hole, captures the nut, it's rounded. So it actually, you know, when you tighten it down, it's it's going against the um, the grain of the wood the way that you want it. It's not like putting a square nut into a round hole with a washer that kind of just, the washer just bends over it's time. The washer's the curve. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like it opens up over time. A barrel nut won't do that. As long as the bolts are in place, it's not like the nut's going to fall out. So I'm I'm just not sure why we need to do any of this when there's existing hardware that solves this problem. Right, and I mean, I share the way I did JR's bed when I built his. I think we talked about this in the past before, but on the ends of the rails, I have an offset block that's attached to it with the bolt holes for the bolts to go through, and in the legs, I use those formerly wood whispers thread taps to thread tap holes into the legs. So then Mm -hmm. the bolt is all hidden. There's no mortises or weird like nut holders or anything. There's two bolts that go back through the rail into the leg and just bolts together that way. So there's no like mm-hmm. nothing anywhere. Yep. I've used those yeah. on a bed in the past as well. And you know, threaded holes work just fine. They work great. I got kids jumping on it still. Yeah. I haven't had to tighten them up. They're still, that's still good. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. But at the same time, like you can, if you need to, like that's right. the, that's the other yeah. reason why bed bolts exist, not just to knock it down, but beds loosen over time. There's a lot of dynamic force going into that bed. <laughs> Especially at Matt's house. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm waiting, waiting for that. Um, and, That's you know, so the reason that beds squeak, if, you, if you've got a squeaky bed, you can tighten it up and it doesn't yeah. squeak anymore. So, yeah. You know, well, in unless effect, you're a parent of like, teenagers and you want to make sure that that bed's not squeaking, <laughs> yeah. you know, then you loosen it on purpose. Right. Oh, thank you, Shannon. Nice. Sure. It seems this is like what you what, guys um, have to look forward to. <laughs> It's almost like what Charles was maybe trying to do is create what thread taps might be able to do for you is a yeah. like a fully filled thing that yeah. just reflects the threads. And it just seems like not as good of a way to do it. Yeah. Compared to other well, options. I mean, and if you're drilling a hole that's larger than the nut and the nut has room to like be squirrely and like slide around, then it could be kind of a pain in the butt because you've got to like stick a finger in there to make sure the nut doesn't move. But that's why like you just mortise it to fit the nut exactly Mm -hmm. or pretty close to exactly. So it won't shift at all. And, and the higher quality I'm thinking like 18th century, like escutcheon plate style bed bolts. Mm -hmm. Those are generally square bolts. They're not hexagonal. So it's a perfect thing to mortise in there because there's no, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. It's a, literally a square nut in a square hole. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. Uh, so we got one more question here. This one is in the form of a voicemail from who? From Michael? Michael. Yes, from Michael. Hey, chaps. This is Michael Bateman calling from Wild Parrot Woodworking in Sierra Madre, California. I'm a huge fan of you all and want to thank you for the inspiration that uh, gets me into the shop and keeps me company uh, in here, even though it is 90 degrees in here at 9 a.m. So thank you for that. And my question today is about breaking edges. I love to keep a crisp 90 degree edge on my pieces whenever I can, but with a two-year-old and another one on the way, I'm wondering uh, how I can best balance uh, the woodworker in me that wants to keep a crisp 90 with the parent in me that wants to, you know, not have anybody slice themselves open on a piece of furniture. Uh, I don't want to end up breaking the edges to the 
point where I basically have a round over. So if you have any thoughts on that, I would love to hear them. And I also want to give you all credit and blame in equal measure for the uh, passion that's uh, driven me to open my own woodworking shop. And if I can plug it, it is wildparrotwood.com. Thank you all so much for everything that you do for the community. And go Rockler! <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, I got to say, um, I think Michael, he's, got, he's already got one, one on the way. He better go check his bed bolts. There you go. Just, you know stuff going on there uh okay 90 degree edges. oh this is cool stuff i'm sorry Never mind. what are you looking at uh michael's wild parrot oh, woodworks yeah he's got yeah, this cool step stool i'll show the people on, it's like a dinosaur oh, look at that look at all those sharp edges look at all them thing you fall right. on and is that for a kid that looks like a death trap man <laughs> what are you doing? the guy who's concerned about 90 degree corners trap? It's oh, a medieval uh, step stool. They're, they're kind of rounded. <laughs> for our for our audio listeners, imagine the back of a stegosaurus and like a yes, ladder going up the sides. middle of it. Yes. Yeah, right. This is perfect for children. <laughs> well done, Michael. I now like we it. know where the I question like comes from. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now that yeah we know. Okay. So here's we, what I, we do our research here on this show. <laughs> that's right. We don't just plow right into these questions without more information. Context. Yeah. Uh, th- th- there's a couple things here. First, it's the the fact that he he's looking at the ninety degree edges as sharp enough to actually cut lacerate. Right? Do you guys ever, even when you're doing a crisp ninety, do you ever not break the edge to at least allow it to not cause like paper cuts? No, because I generally have already cut myself three times on it, so I'm like, <laughs> like damn it. <laughs> do you think he really means like he kind of machines, sands, hits the edge, and then he doesn't touch the corner at all? I think he's. I mean, I hope he's hitting it just like a little bit, even just for finish adhesion. So then, yeah, like, and just well, and you're finishing rags, you know, grabbing on it and possibly tearing out on that that corner too. Well, because so, it's not just a matter of cutting; it's also durability. Like those, yeah, like, yes, yeah. perfect ninety degree arises are perfect places for splintering. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just going to get chipped and broken. You know, right. so so that tiny, tiny micro breaking or rounding is just making for a more durable piece. So I think that's the first thing I want to lead with. I think, Michael, I mean, do what you want with your furniture. But if you're not doing at least that to break the edge slightly, your furniture is already a hazard for anybody. <laughs> Adults <laughs> right. or kids. Child or not. Yeah. It, like, that's not a great idea to, to do that. But, you know, it's your furniture. So I would at the very least break it. Now, once that edge is broken, and I'm talking just like, you know, with 220 grit, your final grit, just give it a couple of passes so that you don't have a razor sharp edge. It will still look crisp. And in fact, I think furniture that does not have that looks unfinished to me. If you actually truly have a sharp, truly sharp corner on furniture, I feel like when I see it, I see something that's not done. Most final products we look at, just look around stuff. I'm even looking at my electronics here. Um, Almost nothing has a sharp edge just because of what Shannon said. It's not a really durable way to do things. And the way the light hits it, just something doesn't look finished about it. So at least do that. Now let's assume he's doing that. And what do you do about this with with uh, relation to the kids? Because that's still now, even when it's just lightly broken, it's still a fairly sharp, abrupt corner that should a little baby head hit it, that could certainly cause problems. Would you guys go to the extent of modifying your furniture designs for that or come up with some other solution? I'll go first. No. <laughs> plain and simple 
have you made any accommodations with your furniture? Well, you don't build furniture, but when you used to. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> say, That's going to be my new thing now. Okay. Yeah. See, considering there's, there's pictures of Let's Matt's kids like swinging on his bandsaw mill, I'm thinking no. <laughs> right. It has rounded corners. All the tube steel's got some kind of radius to it. That's true. It's true. got pull noodles on that thing. I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do. And, and I've got, I had a lot of furniture already in the house that I made when we had kids. And the most I might do is if there was like a sharp 90 degree corner for a coffee table, that's a pretty good candidate to put some kind of a, like some kind of pad on the corner. They sell products. You don't have to modify your stuff permanently, make it the way you want it. And then buy some of these kid, you know, safety products that you could yeah, put temporarily. We, we did that. And then JR teethed on them. Because they're like these, like the, the gummy sticky corner things you put yeah, on, yeah, yeah. and he's they're gnawing on it. I'm like, oh, okay. so we just took them off. And then, so then the other two didn't get the benefit. They didn't get all the extra teething stuff because, like, with the first yeah. one, you do like all the things. Yeah, and then you realize, yeah, it's not worth it. Yep, you get over it. Yeah, especially yep. by that's the what his one. <laughs> that's what his big brother's for. Teeth on yeah. that. Here. <laughs> well, and I think there's there's also, I mean, and there's a couple philosophies about this, and, and this is not to begrudge anyone's choices. Everybody has to make the right decision for their uh, household. But there's a lot of um, things that your kids can get hurt on that's not your furniture. And you can't, you know, you can't bubble wrap everything, right? Like, I think people tend to go one direction or the other. No matter what I cover or edges that I protect or corners that I cover with something, my kids will find something else to hit their head on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And sometimes... They trip on their own feet and then they hit the floor. And there's not yep. a whole lot I could have done about that. Yeah. Gravity. You can <laughs> you fix know? that. So I, what do you, you, you what do you ahead. guys think of like uh, maybe a more extreme solution? But I'm thinking from a design perspective, like if you've got like a, think of like a corner, like mm-hmm. not a long edge, but the actual corner of a table, you know, mm-hmm. and if that comes to a sharp point, you know, well, yeah, it's an actual point. The application of really precise chamfers, which will essentially soften the edge, but still have a flat, still have a facet. It's not a round over. It's definitely a different look because the light now has a flat, which it can Mm -hmm. reflect off of, but it's still very angular. Um, And in many instances, I think chamfers can be used very judiciously to break up a long 90 degree edge or something like mm-hmm. that to, to add a little bit of punctuation. So what I would recommend is, you know, look at those surfaces. And if you're really worried about that could be, you know, even slightly broken with 200 grit sandpaper or whatever, how would it change the look of that design? If you put like an eighth inch wide chamfer on there, yeah. you know, maybe quarter inch at most, something really subtle. Cause I, I don't like rounded over edges in my stuff and in general, but if I want to break it, if the, if the 90 degree looks too, sharp when i need to soften a little i will apply a chamfer Mm -hmm. and i think that that's kind of the compromise yeah i mean you maintain your straight lines and you just get Mm -hmm. a little bit more one extra facet and uh yeah definitely would blunt the edge for sure done sloppily you know if that facet is like an eighth inch here and three sixteenths there and you know that doesn't look good um so you do have to you do have to be you know precise about it Learn to love the chamfer. Now, as far as like corners go, whenever I see like, unless it's a very specific, cool design concept, when someone like dog ears a corner or does something deliberately or hard, like a heavy, like I've got a um, manufactured sit stand desk here and it's got like very rounded corners Mm -hmm. on it. I hate that look. I don't, I'm not a fan of that at all, but not either. So, I mean, unless you really are doing something purposeful, I wouldn't recommend that. In that case, again, I still think these, you know, commercial products that protect the corners 
it's a great temporary solution that you won't have to have it on there forever. You could build the furniture you want and the kids will eventually get old enough and then they'll probably fall on the table for different reasons later. Or they'll you know, flip if, it over and turn into a boat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like at my house. So it's like, I was yeah. going to say, Matt's speaking from personal experience here. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, their boat. it's one of the waterfall tables, the ash one with the wooden legs. And they flip it nice. over at the boat. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Yeah. They'll, they'll come up with all kinds of ways when your back is turned. Uh, to, uh, that's awesome. I'll say like, the, <laughs> most, the most dangerous thing in the house, in my experience as a parent, are doors. Because they're mm-hmm. giant levers that can crush anything. Yeah. If you get your kids to get their hands stuck like in the hinge side, oh. and the door's closing, oh. that, and that's more common. That's like the most common, like, it's not really furniture, but it's like a thing in the house that is functional. But doors are probably the most dangerous thing, especially if they're not coordinated, like where to put your hands while the door's moving. Yeah. Well, they're not. Or like their hands in the doorway and their sibling slams the door closed, you know, like you yeah. do. It, Ava's yeah. done that going out the garage door house. to the car. She'll, she would hold on to the back of the like uh, casing where the door is and hold on to that to get the first couple of steps going. Cause she couldn't reach the handrail at that time, mm-hmm. but it was a garage door with an automatically closing hinge. Yep. And if she took too long, her little fingers would get squished. No fun. Oh. No fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh, yeah. that's going to be a I was, show. You guys. I was the youngest of three. So I was the one that got experimented on. See what <laughs> happens when you close this door. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They stopped caring by the time yeah. you were around. That was my house. Definitely my house. That's yeah. the best. Guy right here to prove it. And one over here to prove it. Just <laughs> <laughs> thinking about that. I've got a, a, a dog bite here. So my grandpa had a dog that not only bit me in the face, but bit my other cousin in the face. It's two family members that got bit by this dog. Dog lived a full, happy life. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, if that happened today... The way yeah. people are, right? Yeah, like no. that dog probably wouldn't be around for very long. But it's like, well, he, so the kid got bit. Just don't, you know, yeah, don't go near the dog. Don't anymore. go near the dog. That's the solution. <laughs> problem solved. It's like, <laughs> ah, fixed it. What is? I got like I got a problem where my uh, my Doberman has uh, occasionally growled at Ava, and I give her this look. I'm like, you're on the bubble, girl. Like you better be careful. And I'm talking to my daughter either. I'm talking to the dog. Um, you know, it's like very different sensibilities to this stuff anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we tell we tell Kenny he's going to be sent off for scientific experiments all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Makeup <Nice>. testing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Go do it. All the cool kids are getting them. And they're not telling us what they're doing with them either. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so go to woodtalkshow.com and hit us up with some questions or email us at uh, woodtalkshow at gmail.com. We'd love hearing your questions. Definitely makes putting this show together a lot easier when you've got an inbox that's like got 200 messages in it. <laughs> Chock full, baby. But it also does mean that sometimes your questions get missed. So if you really have a burning question, and you need it answered right away. This is probably not the show for you. <laughs> Just, just to be honest, think? keep sending them in if they're not important. Go to fine but, woodworking. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We'll just start. That's going to be our new marketing methodology. We're just going <laughs> to send shop people talk. to other people's shows just to tell them, yeah. get their work done there. But yep. there's a lot of people that do make this show happen. And I want to say a big thank you to Margaret, who handles all our social media. Uh, Todd, man. And now patron. Like, 
Find something better to do with your time than edit this show because you're putting way too much time into it and producing just an incredible YouTube show. So thank I'm paying you for that. to do it too. Oh, uh, fair mean, enough. It, okay. Well, so yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good, but also not good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's doing his and job then, just a little too well. Yeah. You're, and you're making Nick, who does the editing for the audio, look bad. Not yeah. really, but yeah, you get the idea. So thanks to Margaret, Todd, and Nick. You guys do good work. You make yeah. us look good. That's really hard to appreciate do. it. We've got a, we got a hell of a team here, guys. Somehow. And the three <laughs> of us are not part yeah, of somehow. it at all. <laughs> somehow we amassed really good, talented people to make us look good. Got to be talented to make us look good. <laughs> you got to work very hard to do it. Oh, man. All right. Well, and that's a, let that be a reminder. Uh, go to YouTube. Check out those video versions. They're a lot of fun. We uh, hope you guys enjoy. Who was that? That was another adult. Who was that? It's our nanny. Oh, a nanny. Matt's, Matt's in a polyamorous household. That's, that's second wife? Nope. Is this getting uncomfortable for you? Because <laughs> it would for me. Uh-huh. Okay. A bit. All right. Well, up oh, there she goes. Putting garbage out. All right. Cool. Must be nice, Matt. Must be nice. Check the bed bolts. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll, uh, we're going to catch you guys next time. All right. See ya. I don't know if I'm calling back again. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the title. <laughs> Got to go right. check the well, bed bolts. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.